Welcome to the Bible Breakdown. It's a black man and woman in America who no longer identify as believers. This show contains adult languages, themes, and isn't meant for children. As black people, we respect the history of the black church in America, but its current state is massively abusive and we think the Bible might be part of the problem. Listen and let us know what you think. Peace. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Bible Breakdown. I'm Cap. And I'm T. Hello, Capital T. How are you today? Well, I guess it's just TK now, apparently. Apparently, because I can't just be a letter because that makes people uncomfortable. So, yeah. But uh, to answer your question, I am doing fine, actually. I'm doing pretty good. Um, Not too many complaints. I mean, our listeners know, just women stuff most of the time. That's usually my complaint. (laughs) TK's got 99 problem and I'd probably say 74 of them are women. (laughs) I mean, sure. That is accurate since women are take up more than half of the world's population. It's not my fault you guys don't survive as long. Um, Anyway, (laughs) speaking of men and women, Last episode, we did the entire book of Ruth, which was pretty much Ruth, or well, Ruth and Naomi kind of scamming on Boaz to make sure that they had access to resources so they wouldn't starve. Yes, and being that that was a while ago, I don't really remember that story. Yes, please break it down for me. I'd be happy to break it down for you again. Okay, so Naomi had a husband and two sons. And those two sons uh, married, and one son's wife's name was Ruth, and the other wife's name was Orprah, I think. And then um, something bad happened, and Naomi and uh, the girls, like her husband and two sons ended up dying. So she was like, and there was like something going on, and I don't know. And so uh, she tells the, the her daughter-in-law's like, look, I'm obviously cursed. I shouldn't even call myself Naomi anymore because God is just obviously so mad at me. So y'all should just gone. And so Orpah was like, you're right. And so she goes back to her people. But Ruth is like, no, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I'll never part from you. It will do nothing but death can keep me from it. And so then they go off back to um, Naomi's home country. And then when they get there, they're like, okay, it's the barley harvest time. You go and, um, kind of get in where you fit in and then they figured out one of Naomi's kinsmen uh was in charge of like the reaping field so she was like hey seduce him so that we have we secure our spot and Ruth is like for sure and they do and it all works out and th- I, I didn't even realize this it basically just setting up the lineage of King David because Ruth ends up being his like great great grandma or something like that and it's supposed to be like look he came from such good stock she was you know she took care of her mother-in-law but I really think the subtext is Naomi and Ruth were lovers. Yes, I like all that. Also, I was able to pull up my notes from ChatGPT from before, so I'm able to see more thoroughly what we discussed before. We've done, well, even though we haven't been on here for a while, we did do um, Cam 
cut off of movies. Yes, we did. We haven't talked about that yet um, on the podcast. What did you think of that? Uh, I really enjoyed doing God Awful Movies. Um, I really enjoyed Eli and Heath. Um, those were the two that were on there, although I believe there are three of them, which is Noah. He was on vacation at the yeah, time. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed that podcast. Can't wait to go back on. It was really cool. Um, I had some internet problems at the time, which have since been rectified. So I'm looking forward to working with them again. Um I feel like I'm in a new chapter just spiritually in life where I still feel all of the things that I've said on this podcast, but, um, God is more of a, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think I've said this even before God to me is more like a mantra, just a, of a reminder. It's not really like an entity or a thing that I feel like it cares about me enough to influence the outcome of my life if i'm good or bad it kind of just gives me free will if you will and allows me to do my thing and you know whatever my energy gets put into that is what i receive back and then also if i don't always get the results i want then i think i have been blessed with the mindset to grow from things where i look at like okay what can i learn from this situation um so that's kind of just where i'm at makes me feel better about my life stoicism has helped too which is a a good or bad thing depending on who you're talking to sounds sounds like you're becoming a vulcan and i'm into it yeah (laughs) it's the balance for me so yeah um yeah that's great i think um we should all be learning i don't think i kind of agree with you with whatever god is i don't know that it's a person who cares if i find a parking space or not um a lot of people do that's like a common prayer it's like please god or help me find my keys or whatever or you know uh, i don't know i just feel like god whatever god is just doesn't have time for that so um but yes i think we should all be using all of our (laughs) um obstacles as learning opportunities i know i've been um I mean, I, we were talking about that early life is just a series of unfortunate events often, but also fortunate ones. Like whenever I, I think I tell you all the time, it's like, listen, things are going to get better. Then they're going to get a little worse. Then they're going to get better again. And then they're going to get way better. And then it's going to get super bad. And then it's just going to keep going like that until you perish. I think I'm just coming to the concept of there's no real good or bad it just is and, and it's kind of like well except not, not particularly just i mean it just is in the sense of like no i've been watching a lot of stoicism stuff and it's just like thing things happen in life and you just accept them as they are and the quicker you are to be like okay this happened and the quicker you are to feel like this thing happened and okay, let me constructively feel my feelings and then move forward. I think that makes for a better life versus in which it's crazy because I'm naturally already like a person who, when something happens to me, I'm already trying to figure out, all right, how do I get over that? But my thing I had to work on was getting over it in a constructive way because then you just carry it with you and then it comes out later in ways that affect those around you. So I had to learn that. But I think in my observation of other people, um, 
they don't ever they not ever but a lot of people that i've come in contact with lately they don't learn the lesson or they still have this woe is me attitude and i don't think that facilitates growth and even though they feel like oh i'm going to therapy or i'm doing all of these things it's like their mindset has not changed because we live in this place of entitlement and we live in this place of we're all special and yes i think we are unique but i think i don't i'm trying to be better about um how I articulate this because I feel like it comes across like cold sometimes, but, (laughs) but it's, we're just like, I think again, going back to what I was saying, when something happens, I'm just like, okay, that thing happened. I didn't like it, but like, what, what can I learn from it? What can I gain from this? How can I be better? But I think that's just helped me. And also just like learning to put, again constructively put your energy into other things so if a relationship ends and maybe you need to start hanging out with friends who you might have been neglecting or get a new craft or something i think like that type of stuff helps you to work through things as well versus like other vices drinking smoking trying to find fulfillment in meaningless sex with people um which is not something i'm necessarily against but you know just do it for the right reasons I'm all for it. Um, do you want to jump into this uh, Samuel 1 from the New Revised Standard of the Bible? Coolsies. Oh, Samuel 1. Um, Samuel's birth and dedication. There was a certain man of Ramathayim, a Zufite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, um, son of Jeroham, hold on, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zup, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his country to worship and to sacrifice the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hopni, and Phinehas were priests of the Lord. On the day the on the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her. Though the Lord had closed her womb, her rival used to provoke her severely to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year as often as she went up to the house of the Lord. She used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? What is your, why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After that... After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the door spot, doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if you only will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give your servant a male child, then I will set him before you a Nazar- as a Nazarite. 
until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you have make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor drunk or nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. That was bars. Do not... <laughs> Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. <laughs> For I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband and her countenance was no longer was sad no longer. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to the house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his household went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up to him, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and remember the their fa there for look and remain there forever. I don't know why I can't read. And remain there forever. I will I think I really need to. <laughs> I will I will offer him as a Nazarite for all time. Her husband Elkanah said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with the three-year-old bull an ephah of flour and a skin of wine. She brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh and the child and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in the presence, praying to the Lord for the child. I prayed and the Lord has granted me the petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. She left him there for the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so um, I just wanted to say that, you know, we historically the Bible has been viewed as the good book, the holy word of God. This isn't how fertility works. Um, I mean, I understand why this was probably a delightful story at the time of a man and his two wives and him finally knocking up his favorite one. But um, I didn't necessarily get a lot from this. I remember how it was taught because you're supposed to have faith and I guess not drink. Um, I thought it was really, really messed up that God didn't punish Penia for making fun of the woman with fertility issues. That was a really shitty thing to do. Um, uh, it also, it made me think a little bit of Samson because I guess for like a certain priest class, they don't cut their hair, which also made me think of like the sick Indians like, it's kind of like this interesting parallel between hair and spirituality. I don't know if you know about them, but, like, it's a religion in India where they um, they don't cut their hair. 
Like they feel like that's fighting God. And that's why they wear those turbans. Because a lot of times they have like a ton of hair and it's just easier to keep it in this bun and then put a turban over it. So it's just, to me, it's interesting where spirituality and hair intersect. And um, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that, that, those were my takeaways. I feel like your takeaways are far more um, <clears throat> articulated than mine will be. Um, yeah, I mean, it's in my base level understanding is just this it stood out to me that this is just a story about faith. And um, I think we faith. OK, I guess there is, I don't know if this is actually in the Bible, but I hear a lot of people say this faith without works is dead. So. I feel like that is not quoted enough because people just get caught on the faith part. But it's like if you if you don't do your work, then things won't happen for you in the way they will. Now, speaking per fertility, I mean, that could be for a, a numerous amount of reasons. So this is just another reminder that this isn't how fertility works. Like it's just uh, sometimes it's just very, very random and you should not see a priest. You should see a doctor. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think. Oh, man. So side sidebar. I got into a spat uh, almost he I got into a very heated um, argument with a loved one of mine who they have, well, I'll just say my cousin. A lot of people don't believe in like going to get vaccinated or whether it's a flu vaccination or COVID or what have you. Some people will opt out of a lot of those things. And unfortunately my cousin's mother, my aunt guy had cancer and she died um, back in the beginning of 2018. And you know, that was a big loss. Um, I think, out of all of his siblings, he's the one who's still taking it the hardest. Um, and we got into a discussion about like, how does he doesn't believe that these doc, he doesn't believe that these doctors are trying to help us or there's a lot of conspiracy theorist stuff out there that like, Oh, they're, they're doing this to continue to make money off you or whatever the case may be. And I'm not saying that maybe some of that is valid, particularly the money part, because that's just, we live in a capitalist nation. Um, so there's some of that there, but his sample size of what he's talking about is he was like, well, my mom died and they like the doctors put her on all this type of stuff. And you know, that didn't necessarily fix it. Um, and he was he's really into Dr. CB and stuff like that. And so he felt like, you know, there's natural stuff out there that could possibly help her. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a uh, will we give Dr. CB nutritionalist. I don't know. We'll just say he was a nutritionalist, but I'm not. OK, cat wants to interject. I would call him a medical influencer. OK, we'll go with that. Um, but there's a lot of that out there. And look, caveat. And I love, I love my cousin. I love my aunt. When you smoke cigarettes every single day, it's very hard to come back from that. And maybe she did quit for a while. I don't know all the particulars. Like, obviously, they were a lot closer. But, like, I know when I lived them with them for the almost two years I did, she smoked a lot. And I'm 
imagine she never really stopped for a long period of time, maybe at the end of her life. But that's like, to me, that's a contributing first. So anyway, we get into a whole argument about this. Um, and almost like, not necessarily for that part of it, but just for things that were said, we don't really have to go. The point I was making with all of this is that the faith part that does like, cause we, or at least that side of my family, like very believe in God, all that type of stuff but you have to put in the work too man like i did like whether that's the pre-work or i guess the work during or whatever you want to call like like again i have to take care of my body i can't wait until i'm sick i think one of the best quotes i heard lately was about a dentist who was like you know i don't want to see you when the oh it's from that uh, other thing we were watching um about divorce funny um but yeah like you have to put in the work and don't come to me as a dentist when your tooth is already hurting because the tooth is already infected it's already decaying whatever the case i can help you what i'm actually here for is more preventative measures i think that's how we should operate in life this was such a long-winded um example but you know i like to tell a story here and there that pointed a very painted a very vivid picture, and I take your point that yeah, even um, in the Christian framework, there there is a, a actually can you look that up like faith without works is dead like where that comes from because I do believe that is found in the New Testament. Um, I feel like that was maybe one of Paul's letters to the maybe let's say the Corinthians. Fuck it, maybe the Ephesians. Who knows. But, um, yeah, like you can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't put in that work, it's not going to do anything. Like, I believe that if you take care of your body and you're going to have better outcomes. But if I don't actually do the things to take care of myself, like I, how much do I really believe that? Okay, so it was uh, James 2, 26. For as the body without spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So, Yeah. So sorry, it wasn't Paul, it was James, my bad. But it was the New Testament, I was right about that. Ding, ding, ding. So, uh, you ready to hear here's some work stuff and things? Cool. Uh, he gave me the thumbs up, you guys couldn't see it, but he's cool with it. Okay, First Samuel 2, Han, is it Hannah or Hannah? Who knows? Hannah's prayer. Hannah! It is how you spell Hannah, but like, I don't know, like maybe there's a different Hebrew pronunciation or something like this. Okay, Hannah's prayer. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. There is no holy one like the Lord. No one besides you. There is no rock like our God. No more so very, very, no more talk. No more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed, and the bowels of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry aren't fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has had many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and rises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low. He also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with the with princes and inherit a seat of honor 
for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world he will guard the feet of his faithful ones but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness for not by might does one prevail the Lord his adversary shall be shattered the most high will thunder in heaven the Lord will judge the ends of the earth he will give strength to his king and anoint the power of his anoint anointed Eli's wicked sons then Elikam went home to Ramah while the boy remained to minister to the Lord in the presence of the priest Eli. Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord, for the duties of the priest to the people. When anyone offered sacrifice, the priest's servants would come while the meat was boiling with three-pronged fork in his, in his hand. And he would thrust it in the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest server will come and say to one who is sacrificing, Give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if a man said to him, Let them burn the fat first, and then you take what you wish, he would say, No, you must give it now. If not, I will take it by force. Thus, the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for they treated the offerings of the Lord with content. The child Samuel at Shiloh. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephah. His mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elikon and his wife and say, May the Lord repay you with this children by with children by this woman for the gift that she made to the Lord and then they would return to their home and the Lord took note of Hannah and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters and the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord prophecy against Eli's household now Eli was very old he heard all that his sons were doing in Israel and how they lay with the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting he said to them why do you do such things for I hear of your evil dealings from all these people no, my sons, it is not a good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If one person sins against another, someone can intercede for the sinner with the Lord. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can make intercession? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to kill them. <laughs> now, <laughs> now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and with the people. The man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus the Lord has says, I reveal myself to the family of your ancestor in Egypt when they were slaves to the house of Pharaoh. I chose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest to go up to my altar to offer incense to wear an ephah before me. And I gave to the family of your ancestor all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. Why then look with greedy eye at my sacrifices and offerings that I commanded and at honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of my people of Israel. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel declares, I promise that your family and the family of your ancestors should go in and out before me forever. But, the, but now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. And for those who despise me, I shall be, shall be treated with contempt. See, at, see, a time is coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your ancestors' family so that no one in your family will live to an old age. Then in distress you will look with greedy eye on all the prosperity that shall be bestowed upon Israel and no one in your family shall ever live to old age. The only one of you whom I shall not cut off from my altar shall be spared to weep out his eyes and grieve his heart. All the members of your household shall die by the sword. The fate of your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be a, the sign to you. Both of them shall die in the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do accordingly 
who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house and he shall go in and out before my anointed one forever. Everyone who is left in your house shall come to implore him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread and say, please put me on one of the priest's places that I may eat a morsel of bread. Whew. Thanks be to God. That was a lot. I don't know. I feel like the Bible is starting to uh, have really great monologues. Maybe not great in the form of content, but just like as an actor, I was listening to what you were saying. I'm like, oh, this would be like one of those pieces that, um, I don't know, some crazy person would cite in a movie or something like that. Maybe a Tarantino film. I was just going to say, like, since it started as an oral tradition, I feel like the stronger writing would have made it. You know, like, because even Hannah's song, you know, like, that was actually pretty good. Yes. Um, Do we find anything in here that uh, was, I don't know if astray is the word, different from anything that we've read before? Because I feel like this is pretty much the, the, the template. This is my first time ever hearing any criticism about how the priests were conducting themselves with the offerings. Um, I, I do like to point out whenever possible that this sounds like the um, the priest, the the Nazarite or the um, the Levite class. They were just running a meat and grain scam because to me, it's weird that the God of universe wants the same thing people do, which is calories. Like, um, you know, it was just very bizarre that. Like I said, we've 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 heard all the demands that the Lord has, and it's the same demands people have. But it was interesting to see that hey, like um, these priests are not doing the right thing, and um, and fucking hoes at the tent. Come on now, like chill out. Have you seen Sound of Freedom? No. Because of I don't know. I think I'm gonna watch it because I was watching something about it. But anyway, that just made me think of like. Is this the fake human trafficking movie? Yes. That the production studio said they took liberties with it. But it's, I feel like from what I've gathered, it's been blown out of proportion. Like they were trying to intentionally be fake, but they all, on their website, they have a breakdown of like, yeah, we embellished some of this. Operation Underground Railroad is a fake human trafficking organization. That's what this dude, Tim, who started this whole Sound of Freedom movie, like, that's what he's from. Like, all real human rights, like, activist groups and people who are trying to stop human trafficking denounce it and are like, this isn't real and they aren't doing anything and they actually are kind of making things worse. When did he not denounce it? Uh, who, well, he and denounce what? Well, you said all, all, human trafficking groups would about like things like the um like human rights watch like uh groups that actually like work with helping people who are victims of human trafficking like I'll, I'll try to get a list i don't have them in front of me but there are people who actually do this work and uh operation underground railroad is not one of them oh okay well that's not what must what i saw right for sure but I didn't hear anything about they weren't a real organization. What I heard was they were just the numbers of people that they actually rescued is highly debated. Oh. Even the, one woman, the one woman that they referenced, she f- freed herself and they're taking credit for it. So once again, it's some high level like caucasity. I'll just put it that way. 
Oh, okay. Well, regardless, I wasn't going to talk about the legitimate legitimacy of them. I just, uh, I, I don't know. We, what did you just bring up? Because that was, I was going to make a point with that. About the priest fucking up. <laughs> yeah, so priest fucking up. I mean, I guess, well, you know what? I think we still got to the point regardless because it was going to be about how, um, yeah, organizations be fucking up, something like that. So we got to it. Long winded way, but whatever. All right, so now we have uh, Samuel 3, uh, or I'm sorry, Samuel 1, verse 3. Samuel's calling in prophetic activity. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. They call them visions. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, Samuel, and he said, here I am, and ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time and he got up and went to Eli and said, here I am for you call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, yes, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of every ears of anyone who hears it tingle (laughs) on the day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the inquiry that he knew iniquity. Okay. For the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever samuel lay there until morning then he opened the doors of the house of the lord samuel was afraid to tell the vision to eli but eli called samuel and said samuel my son he said here i am eli said what was it that he told the lord do eli said what was it that he told the lord do not hide it from me may god do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me all that he told you so samuel told him everything and didn't and hid nothing from him then he said it is the lord let him do what seems good to him as samuel grew up the lord was with him and letting let none of his words uh, fall to the ground and all israel from dan to beersheba knew that samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the lord the lord continued to appear at shiloh for the lord revealed himself to samuel at shiloh by the word of the lord thanks be to god you know what a lot of this also reminds me of? Um, I know you haven't watched it. I know you didn't have time to watch all the stuff I tell you to watch. But uh, The New Pope starring Jude Law. 
Um, and it's about sort of the inner workings of the Vatican. And then because I've always been a fan of like art history and a lot of that has to do with um, sort of, you know, the Italian Renaissance and all the popes and Europe and stuff like that and all the intrigue. And I think this is, this just sounds like a power grab. I would agree. I mean, I feel like that's mostly what the Bible is about is Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones type power grabs on stuff. Um, So do you think Samuel just said whatever and God didn't really speak to him? So you have to think for Samuel, he must really know the game because he grew up in you know the, with the priests and stuff like that so you have to know when to strike you have to know how to make it sound like it was from god you know like i think this i i, I feel like it was highly choreographed oh good for samuel you know something i found funny in one of the previous um i think you were talking about the what is the indians who don't cut their hair early sick. the sick indians well yeah that made me think about just how Samuel, I guess, didn't cut his hair. And I th- found it funny. I don't know. For some reason, I thought about Samuel L. Jackson. I was thinking that Samuel doesn't have hair. That's that's all. I don't know. This is possibly the tea talking now. That's fine. Once again, we're, we're just setting up Samuel because I feel like all of this is just setting up David. Um, well, not just David, Saul. Like we're setting up Saul and then David because I feel like um, if... If Saul is Biggie, then Samuel is Puff, and David is Mace. Okay. Well, thank you for that. That was that helped me understand it. I guess <laughs> Samuel is Puff. And you know, he's kind of the producer. He's the one going out. He's the prophet. You know, going out and telling everyone like, hey. You know, I got the keys and because um, what's what's about to happen, spoilers, is, you know, Israel is going to start demanding its first king who's Saul. And when, you know, that falls through, you need another king. And so then Samuel's like, oh, uh, because it's the thing, too, like it seems like God could have handled or the Lord could have handled these bad priests without Samuel it's just it's just so funny to me like God made this whole universe but now when it comes to like HR stuff he needs our help he got tired <laughs> that's I mean this is what it is he got tired and I, I mean I get it I get tired too um yeah I don't know I always found that interesting too is well I don't think that this is why I just don't believe that like God cares about me and not everyone else like it's just like hey even if there is a guy i feel like he's more like hey i I just created you do your own thing you figure it out like these are the parameters of society like those aliens from prometheus yeah yeah well (laughs) yes and i think one of the best lines in that movie is just when david was like man imagine you know you searching this yeah that, that was intentional he, he was like, you know, imagine being told when you meet your maker that, oh, we just did this because we could. And it was not. Around. Yeah. And Which is how we kind of got here. My parents were just fucking around. Yeah. I mean, when you really think about it, I mean, that the, the way that the world, I don't know, I, I hot take. Uh-oh. I think that there can be when some people nowadays be like, 
I'm not having a child because why would I bring them into this? I can totally understand. Because from, from a perspective, it is kind of a cruel thing to have children because you know the world is fucked up. You know that like so much shit can happen to them and you kind of just do it and you bring them into this and be like, but our reason is either what you just said, A, well, I just did it because I could or B, which I think may be kind of more sad. Um, people just have kids because they want something. They feel like they need something to love them or that they feel like they will receive this unconditional love from I was thinking the other day about like, dang, why did I have kids? Because I have two and I love them and I don't regret it. But it wasn't like the most well thought out decision. You know, it was really a biological urge at the end of the day. Like I just, I just really, I've always wanted to be a mom. I love nurturing and I mean, not for nothing. My kids are pretty awesome. So I think I did the right thing. But I think for a lot of people, we just assume, I think you said that earlier, like that's when we were talking earlier, like that's our purpose, like that's what we're here for. But I don't think it's the move for everybody. Oh, no, I I, I don't think it's the move for everybody. But what I will say to kind of elaborate is like on the, oh, I think that's just the theme of the universe. Maybe you can just do stuff just because you can do it. And there's no right or wrong, like I was saying earlier, or good or bad it's just this is the powers that you've been given and you can go from there with that energy so but yeah what did chat gpt have anything to say about um oh okay i mean i feel like this was all pretty straightforward this was a this was a very cohesive narrative i would say so far maybe the storytelling in the bible's gotten a little better um i mean i say this joke all the time they just got better writers or they like they're in the flow now like it seems like they kind of got some more some structure it's like when you see a tv show that has potential but maybe it's not all there like that first season of the sopranos i've heard people say like it came off more as a comedy and then they're surprised how much darker it got did you see that like bible movie with lakeith stanfield that's supposed to be coming out i've not seen that I was on the sound of freedom because I want to see it. Actually, I want to see it because. <laughs> okay, no, but no, real talk, real talk. Because I'm tying this back in. This is full circle, right? Um, they're uh, the GAM. They're reviewing Sound of Freedom um, for the live show in Vegas. So it would be worth it just so I can understand the jokes. Maybe I could just wait to see it then. I don't know. Um, did you find the movie? of haunted mansion it's called the book of clarence and it comes out next year that's great i like lakeith stanfield i think he's one of the best working black actors in the game that looks good um i don't mind going to see any of his thing him and brian tyree henry are amazing oh sorry and jay-z's doing the soundtrack as he should because his name is hove All right. So anyway, um, next time on Bible Breakdown, we have uh, Samuel four, five and six, which will be the Ark of God captured Um, the Philistines or Philistines in the Ark uh, in the Ark return to Israel. That sounds like a very compelling Ark. Thank you. 
Uh, that made me think of Indiana Jones and the uh, Ark of the Lost Ark of, or whatever. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't seen Oh, no. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Boom. There we go. I didn't grow up with Indiana Jones, and it took me well into my late 20s to actually first watch it. Isn't there a new one out? There is, and apparently it did not do well. Um, I was watching this whole thing about Sound of Freedom, and so they were comparing the numbers about Sound of Freedom versus that versus uh, Dial of Destiny, which is the new Indiana Jones, and then Mission Impossible, which sidebar mission impossible the new one is fucking fantastic okay i heard the mission impossible was good um i hadn't really heard anything about the uh harrison ford or the indiana jones stuff but the other movie sound of freedom one of the reasons they did such big numbers is because they did that promotion where when you buy a ticket you can buy a free ticket for somebody else so there'd be all these empty theaters so it made it kind of seem like it was a bigger deal than it was because they were just basically I mean, to me, it sounds like a scam, but maybe not. That is also not the information I heard, but whatever. I don't know. I'm I'm by no means, I don't, I'm not invested in this movie for anybody to go see. I just personally wanted to see it because it's actually one of the Christian movies. Like, mo- normally, let's just be honest. Normally, Christian movies, they suck. Like, in the sense of... Um, How dare you? In the sense of... Like cinematography, I mean, as you may all go see or listen to on the GAM episode, uh, God Awful Movies, like the movie we, He Who Finds a Wife, we saw, um, and that movie is fucking terrible, fucking terrible. Most most Christian movies are terrible. So I think from... Why do you think that is? Because I have a, I could hazard a guess. I would love to hear your answer because I, I mean I don't I don't know I just always thought that they are hiring people who suck at the job but then like you know when you actually go to church this should be well produced. I think it's a couple of things. I we we both studied storytelling and you have to have a good message for it to be compelling and I think because a lot of Christian messaging is not necessarily good. Um, and actually, and a lot of times can be actual like real life abuse tactics. I think that's why a lot of times it doesn't translate well to film. And I think the other reason, too, is because they know they have a captive audience who's going to go see it anyway. Like they said, they got people to buy tickets without even seeing it. So it's, you know, like a lot of times why put a lot of effort into something that, you know, is going to get consumed. Yeah. But the thing is, Santa Fredo actually looks good. Like it looks from it looks slickly produced, but the right if I had to hazard a guess, I bet the writing isn't that good. And um, there's always going to be something like and I'm sure the messaging isn't that good because once again, they're saying it's based on a true story. But in the fact that there's a guy named Tim, that's pretty much where it departs from reality. But see, that's I think where we differ. And maybe this is just me being a man, but I'm going off the visual first. So I saw that it looks good. And I'm like, hey, that actually looks like something I would want to see. There's been a lot of movies that look good and sucked. I could think of a couple of the Star Wars movies, Jupiter Ascending. Like there's a lot of Hollywood, not non-Christian movies that aren't good because they don't have a good story, but they are slickly produced and they look good, but they're not good movies. It's kind of like, remember when Cartman on South Park decided to do a Christian album because you could get a number one hit because it doesn't have to be good? I think it's the same thing with movies. And that's a fair assessment. Again, that is what initially attracted me. I, I was actually not staying away. Like other people in my circle have been like, oh, I'm definitely not going to see that. But 
I just was like, oh, this looks interesting. So, and I'm I'm into that type of stuff. And it would have been interesting to me to see, I guess, the Christian taken. <laughs> I mean, I don't like the mainstream taken. So the Christian taken is really going to like grind my gears. I disagree. The first taken is a classic, um, like again, a cult classic. And once again, my problem with taken is it ended up being mass propaganda for how human trafficking actually does not work like now people have it in their mind that that's human trafficking but in real life human trafficking doesn't look like this and the only people that this propaganda helps is actual human traffickers because it makes it harder to fight them because we're not being taught what actually we have to do to fight human trafficking one of the biggest tools universal basic income so that people aren't pushed into desperate financial situations and make bad decisions, but or or are forced into impossible decisions. Because I want to say they're bad decisions. Like if you don't have any good decisions, all you can make is bad decisions. So um, yeah, so that's why I really really hate Taken because I'm sure it's of course it's action packed, it's entertaining, but the information that it's trying to cuz it doesn't even say it's based on a true story. This is pure fiction. It makes it seem like all like human traffickers are these like shadowy brown people who want to get girls on drugs and kidnap them, whereas in real life human trafficking doesn't work like that. Okay. Um that's fine. That's not where I was going with with any of that. But you saying that actually sparked my mind in thinking about how I think two things. One, people are stupid and they look at movies and they think like, oh, this is how life is. And we base a lot of our, how we interact based off movies and or media that we consume, which that's a whole psychological aspect to that. But then two, it makes me think of the response, because as somebody who's in the creative industry, who's in entertainment, I often think about like what kind of stuff that I want to be involved with and or make. And it makes me think like what, what kind of responsibility do I have to the world? Because at the end of the day, it's entertainment. I was a, I was at a school the other day. All right. What did I just watch where all art is propaganda? I don't know. What movie did you? I'm, I'm just want to make it clear, like, this isn't my thought. I'm taking this from some movie I just saw recently. I'll remember later. But, yeah, all art, I think the reason why you have to be concerned with the message of your art is because ultimately all art becomes propaganda. And that is a good quote. I like that quote. Um, but then as a, from a creative standpoint, then I don't have a problem with that. So, again, if I like I saw Sound of Freedom and I'm like, all right, but I know how like that movie. Well, I'm sorry. I saw the preview. But um, if but like to me, it's not i don't consume with that mindset anymore of like this is how life is so i wouldn't look at that and be like this is how it goes and even outside of the sexual trafficking stuff like the christian messaging would not have worked on me per se because of how i am and they also slid in a lot of QAnon stuff too into it like when you research it and you look into a lot of the language that's around QAnon, like a lot of that is also in the uh, sound or is it sound of freedom or whatever. I feel like it's, it's just a very, and like I said, I feel like all, all art is propaganda. I think this is propaganda for like sort of this new wave of, I think the tea party kind of turned into QAnon. So like, it's interesting to me too, when I listen to um, things that aren't even in the QAnon space, like I'll be listening to a 
lot of, let's say, conservative black Christian stuff, and they have a lot of QAnon talking points, the anti-vax stuff being one of them. I don't know who the fuck QAnon is. People keep bringing up this group. I don't know who the fuck they are. And like maybe that's my own being an idiot because I haven't done my research. But like I'm just like, who the fuck? I don't I don't know. It's 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 really hard to describe, but it's basically sort of this new wave um, conspiracy theory stuff. So you think about like the 9-11 truthers and flat earthers, like all of these sort of bad ideas that get circulated on the Internet. Q is supposed to be this guy. He was like Q, like a pu- like anonymous who's supposed to be. Um, bringing the truth and it's very much like the um, idea that the Illuminati are raping kids and using adrenochrome to stay young forever and the Pizzagate kind of stuff it's just all these like bad guy bad ideas that get circulated on the internet but are given legitimacy okay well I'll do more research into that I didn't really want to give QAnon or any of this much that much more attention um but I'm just but I think we should be aware of it when it's around so it doesn't become mainstream. So another point I want to make um, is like lately I've just been thinking about how storytelling is actually in everything. And that is how we communicate with each other. That's how we like consume things and it's interesting to me because as you were just saying, all art is propaganda. I mean, that's kind of what I just take from like right wing stuff or left wing stuff. Even like all of it is just people CNN Fox is just supporting the narrative or the story that people may find most comforting, I guess. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, QAnon, I don't fucking like, I'll do research on them, but the conspiracy theorist shit, I just, I don't understand how people are so comfortable. When even before when you were mentioning like your aunt and like the anti the vaccine hesitancy, a lot of that stuff like comes out of the QAnon. Like they are very very slick with their messaging. I feel like we've gotten into not arguments, but kind of disagreements in the past where I've been like that is a white like that is a right-wing talking point that like a lot of I hear a lot of black men repeat because um, whether they realize it or not, they are being targeted by groups like QAnon, but they know better than to make it seem like it's coming from them. Do you have an example of something I've said in the past? No, I'd have to dig it up. I'm not into it. I can't think of it right now. I just remember vaguely, like, because usually when I make that accusation, people get really, really irritated, but it's just something I've noticed. So it didn't happen Um, because you can't think of an example. Um, And I know times where you brought up that's a conservative talking point, but my stuff. So you admit I have said that before. Like, can you think of what I was talking about? Like a conservative talking point that you were saying. And I was like, don't say that. I don't have a specific conservative talking point. So, again, it didn't happen. But in the time, what I'm the conversations I can remember you saying it it has been around things that deal with men and women so and in that space i'm always operating from my way of things not the world's way of things but yes that'll that'll be the example um anything else that you have to add for this 
Um, your body belongs to you, and if you kind of notice this Bible stuff isn't checking out, you're not crazy. Yeah, that's for all of us. Um, that's for all of us. So, I uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I would, I would normally end with uh, you know, get therapy, continue to get therapy. I think you should, but I haven't been in a while. Um, I actually have it today though, but with a different therapist. But I haven't been in like a long time. I had to take a break. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Welcome to Bible Breakdown Podcast, or not welcome, but goodbye from goodbye adios from bible breakdown podcast we'll see you soon